0: Good morning, good morning. Whenever I sing that song, I sing it to my kids every day, and I have four years. And then someone's like, you know that's a Viagra commercial song. <laughs> I can't shake it. It's part of my repertoire. It's who I am. It's what I do. I also don't want to assume that you're listening to this in the morning, but if you are, good freaking morning. We're like well on our way to spring now, and there's something about spring that I love because like, we take our little hibernated bodies outside. And we're like, Ooh, who, who cut their hair? Who, ch-? one time I was like very pregnant. I think it was with Bowden. Yeah. It was with Bo. I was living in Ottawa and we walk outside like first beautiful day of spring. And I walk outside and I have this big belly and I look around and there were, I'm not even kidding you, four of us, big, pregnant, ready to go, And we all had babies that spring, but none of us knew each other was pregnant because we had been so bundled up all winter. And then we came out and we're like, oh my gosh, we're going to have a street full of children. And we did. We ended up, I gave birth to Bowdoin and was in the hospital the exact same time as my neighbor, two doors down, giving birth to twins. It was absolutely incredible that year. It was a, it was a really funny year, but I just will always remember that first sunny day. I'm looking forward to it. I'm like, so looking forward to it. We're not there yet. I announced this morning that like spring is almost here. And then I looked outside and it's literally snowing in front of my face. So it is what it is. I'm excited for today's guest. We have followed each other on social media for years. Honestly, she's just such a bright light and has such an incredible story that really lends itself to the conversation of how we feel about our bodies and how we show up in them, especially from somebody who survived something as tremendous is cancer. And she's so young and she has so much to give and offer and share from her experiences. And I'm excited to kind of bring that conversation to the podcast today in a different way that I've ever gotten to chat and get to know her. So please welcome Georgie Swallow. Wait, do you go by Georgie or Georgina? Georgie. Yeah. You go by Georgie. Yeah. Okay, because I introduced you as Georgie and then I got on the Zoom and I was like, Georgina? <laughs> <laughs> You're a fraud. No, usually it's like an it's alias.
1: Like, usually it's Georgina if I'm in trouble or it's very formal. Oh. Whereas usually it's like George or Georgie, like much more relaxed and I, I feel less anxious. I know I'm not that's in
0: trouble. <laughs> great, that's a great baby name though. I like Georgie a lot. That's a gr- like Georgina and like is... So feminine, and and then Georgie is like so chic and cool. Like I that's such. A, I'm Sarah. I have no short forms for my name. I, <laughs> so I've, just got Sarah.
1: A, I've got a friend, Sarah, and she's Saz and I always think that's quite fun
0: oh that's fun I got say a little bit when I was younger my friend had a daughter named Sarah and they nicknamed her say and so we were like my sister and I were like that's cute let's go by like short forms of our names and her name was Megan so or is Megan she's still here but she went by Megs and I went by say and we like opened a little hat company at one point wow this is like a A memory lane but we were like yeah we did like baby hats and it was called Megs and say (laughs) I need to find the business cards Honestly, we're such entrepreneurs. We came up with different businesses like I'd ever. I, I was selling hemp necklaces in high school. I, I was selling baby hats and headbands when I first had Maya. Then I went into making jewelry, which is when it became the bird's papaya. It was just like such an entrepreneur. But I love names that can shorten into something like super cool. So Georgina to Georgie. Is to me brilliant. I, I love, love it. that. I've gr- I've always grown up really disliking
1: Georgina and Georgie because I was like, it's mm. so uncool and it's it doesn't have like much of a ring. And I have these friends who've got these short funky names. I'm like, oh, that's so much yeah. better. And it's only as I get older that I'm like, oh no. I like Georgie. It'll do. That's
0: fine. Yeah. yeah, And plus, like, it's a cool name because it's different. And like, not a lot of people have it. Or I guess, is it a common name? It's quite popular here. Like, lots of... Okay, I was like, it is not here. George, Georges,
1: Georgina's. There's a few of us here. And I always think, like, I mean, my sister started calling me G when I was younger. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm instantly cool. But the only person (laughs) that ever called me it was my sister. And I was like, damn it, it didn't take... Oh,
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's so funny when I was younger, I, there were so many Sarah's that there was so many Sarah's in the class that we had to go by like our first name and then our initial. So it was Sarah Sarah C, I should have been. Except for there was two Sarah C's. So they're like, okay, let's go by your middle names. Except we were both Sarah Nicole. So then we had to go by, yeah, we went by Sarah C O and Sarah CR and we're both married and have like new new last names. And I still to this day call her Sarah CR and I'm Sarah C O because we we had to be. Like that's like the only way that we could decipher all the all the Sarah's that were born in 1984.
1: The same middle name as well.
0: Like what are the odds? Oh yeah. I know. And we're still friends. Like we still, we were like on, like she lives in Toronto. So we're still like online friends and stuff. And it's just like, it cracks me up every single time I think about it. I'm like, there were so many Sarah's down to, we had duplicate middle names. I love (laughs) that. It is, it is. Well, thanks for coming on today. I know we've been like online friends for honestly years and I truly have never had the opportunity to like truly hear your story beyond the snippets and the, the, the puzzle pieces that you've sort of put together for us on social media. You speak so strongly into body confidence and like showing up in this world and, you know, really helping a lot of these bigger conversations that kind of get people out the door into living their lives. But you come at it from a different perspective because not only are you somebody who has struggled through body image, but you're also a cancer survivor. And I would love to know like sort of how those things like, how how did you come to a place where you're like, this is really important? And where did that sort of go when it also comes with the disconnect you must have felt with your body when it comes to going through something like cancer?
1: Yeah, I think...
0: Wow, we just came out hitting. I was I like, know, you know what? Let's go.
1: I'm like We are going in strong.
0: <laughs> We're um, going in strong. No,
1: it's the only way to do it. I love it. You know, I think I actually... I went through cancer twice. So the first time when I was diagnosed, I was very much in like the mindset of, cool, this is going to be a tough year, but then I'm going to go straight back to who I was before. I didn't have plans on figuring out who I was or facing mortality or trying to figure out who I am as a person because it just wasn't like that. I was, you know, you get told mm. you have cancer. I was stage four, but I had a very treatable cancer.
0: and it. How old was, were you? 26. 26 yes. Stage yeah age four 26 and, and you didn't you didn't have mortality thinking you were just like it's gonna be a tough year no
1: because I I went into it really just oblivious of what was happening because when I was going through all my mm. tests I didn't think I had cancer and it happened so quickly that I was diagnosed on a Thursday and I was in for chemo on the Friday so I I never had the time to process what was happening right. so in all that time frame that usually you get diagnosed and then it's you Get the chance if if you're a female and you'd like to, is you can do egg freezing or you have time to like figure out what steroids you need to be on and all of that. But I never got that time. So it was just cool, you've got cancer, but we're going to go and we're going to go hard now because it was so progressed. And I went through a lot of changes. You know, you lose your hair, your eyebrows. I lost. Mm -hmm. I lost so much about me that I never really contemplated before. And, you know, you look in the mirror and you see a stranger looking back at you. You can't quite process it. But I was so Mm. positive and so like nothing was going to stand in my way. Yes, I had bad days. Yes, I struggled with it. That's obvious. But I came out the other side going, "Okay, cool. How can I get back to my old me? How can I get back to my old Mm. life? And how I felt in my body and You know, the changes I wanted to make mentally just didn't come until my second diagnosis and that time frame. So I hit remission and about four months later, I relapsed. And that was when I sat there and went, oh. This is actually quite serious. And through the second lot of treatment, there were a few times where we didn't know if I was going to come out the other side. And it was only in those moments that I was like, my gosh, like you sit and you think of your life and you think of the things you either want to do Mm. or didn't get a chance to do. And all of those for me were, I wish I'd said yes. I wish I didn't let how I feel in my body stop me. I wish I hadn't let all these fears and insecurities like lead the way I live. And it was sort of in those moments where I was getting better and I just thought, life like, life is too short. I've had this very rare, I'm, I use privilege really lightly when it comes to cancer, but, like, I've had this little mm. insight, this little privilege into realising how short life can be and on a dime mm. it can change. You can wake up one day, whether it's cancer, illness, grief, anything, trauma, you know, you wake up tomorrow, your life can be completely different and I don't want to waste the time that I've got now like missing out on opportunities or moments with friends or anything because of how I feel in my body and it's not it hasn't happened overnight and I still don't feel like that. I don't wake yeah. up every day and go, oh, I just love my body. Because yeah, no, like, same. like <laughs> I'd love to see I, that. Yeah. You, but it's just been, you know, it's been that process of wanting to unlearn how I feel in my body because cancer has taught me, you know, life. like it's honestly, I always think this is so cheesy. Like
0: life is so special and so short. It really is. It really is. Like, no, you're right. And you're right in the exact same. I find it really fascinating that the first time really put you into a space of, I just want to get my life and my body back. And then the second time was like, Oh my God we only have this uh. and we only have how long. What a what an amazing and transformative perspective change, even within the span of months. That's, uh, but I, I mean, I've talked to a few people who have cancer. I had a woman on here who was terminal and didn't make it. Yeah. And just, you feel like you're listening to somebody who has all eyes on, I, I, I'm like a catastrophic thinker, but- So I do this to myself all the time where it's like, if you only had this last day, like, what would you be looking back on? And when I talked to her and the way that she was, Really reflecting on life was such an eye opener. Like we make these small things so so big, and the big things so small, and it's really easy to get confused in that messaging. And it's also okay that we, you know, have that life. It's okay that we, you know, struggle in the mirror. It's not to minimize those experiences at all, but I think for for what you, from where you're coming from, and that shift of perspective. I can imagine how much you would want to just sort of like shout that from the rooftops as you sort of have in the gentlest way possible by like pulling people into conversation about how they feel about themselves and how yes that's important but not more important than the life you get to live and that's I mean how how long has it been now since your second remission
1: so I'm 3 years out of treatment now And so I would say that's probably like just under three years of me really like adjusting the way or like trying to adjust the way that I think and the way that I feel in my body. Because even though you can look mortality in the face, like you're not going to change your thinking overnight. Like we've been so conditioned in every aspect of our lives to dislike ourselves and to not Mm -hmm. feel comfortable. I mean, I've got memories from when I was, I mean, from as little as like six of negative body connotations and either people saying things or being referred to in a certain way or, you know, I've always been like relatively like straight size, but I've always been known as chubby or like a little mm-hmm. soft around the edges or, oh, she's got puppy fat. And I grew up, or, you know, from like taunts as a kid, you know, and they stick with you and then you grow up, and you see the media, you see like how- The, the world, British
0: media. Oh, oh. Yeah. The British media. (laughs) That's another
1: kettle of fish. I don't understand like how something like that can snowball so aggressively and be so terrible to so many people. Like it is not a warm world out there in the media and the British media just go for it. But it's, you know, you know, you have so much that you have to unlearn. And I don't, I genuinely don't think, I'm ever going to fully unlearn it. I, I think I could really try and focus on accepting myself and hoping other people will do the same and hopefully encouraging other people to say, the same. I genuinely don't think I'm ever going to have a chunk of time where I don't have some insecurity or some mm-hmm. like struggle with confidence because of the way we're brought mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. the, like, the world we live in. Like This is just how, yeah. sadly, how it works. And it's people like you that are making it a much better space because when I first started going, right, I actually want to think about how I'm treating my body and talking to myself. It's, you know, I found, I discovered people like you, Sarah, on Instagram, and I was like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. this is the content that we need. And that's what spurs you on. So I think if we can just keep
0: filling the world with good Mm -hmm. humor, hopefully, Mm -hmm. it'll change. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it's, I think it's fascinating that a lot of us really thought, especially years into sort of doing the work on healing from the conditions that we've had on ourselves. And we really think like, maybe one day I won't feel these things anymore. But what I've sort of realized for myself is it's almost like an injury. You can heal from the injury, but you're never really the same again. Like you don't ever really get, I literally, this is like the silliest of examples, but I fell and bashed my knee at the beginning of January and I'm still not the same. And I'm like, there's part of me, that's like, maybe my knee is never going to be the same. And that's okay. But I think like when we think about all these things and the conditions of media and our upbringings and, you know, the fat phobia that exists in this world, so deeply conditioned on us. And then we, we heal through those feelings. We, we talk out them. We try and show up every day. The injury was still there. Like we still act like it's, it's part of us. It's a mark on who we are and we have to constantly almost like tend to it it's it's not something that just it's not just like a scar it's like it it literally is a pain point that we have to be mindful of or you sort of fall back into you know that injury over and over again and i think that What's really fascinating for, you know, you and I both being straight-sized and sort of like in that pocket of not having the marginalization that so many do, Mm -hmm. it's also the awareness of we have to show people why we think this way, why we feel this way. If you are understanding and seeing how fat people are treated in the medical system, how they're treated online, how they're treated in relationships, how they're treated through like not even being able to shop the same spaces. No wonder people are growing up with a fear of, it's not a fear of fatness. It's the fear of how people will treat you if you fall into this category. And that's where it's like we we're for me, I'm like, it's like a slow peeling of an onion. For us, it's like, I just want to get out and live my life. But also I can't do that fully and completely if I'm not also taking on the responsibility of understanding why we even got there in the first place, what these bigger topics are. For you, how have you sort of like navigated that and sort of like understanding how much bigger this all is than I have some rules in my belly and I'm really struggling to like find clothes that, you know, suit me or get out the door or wear the swimsuit. Cause I can imagine for you, you have the gravity of like the, the mortality and the survival coming through, but you also have that social understanding and responsibility. How have you sort of like navigated that for yourself and that, that, that layer of the onion that we sort of all get to?
1: Yeah, I think, well, that's, I think obviously like it started as such a personal journey when I first, was like I don't want to necessarily like live the life that I'm living and especially through social media I started talking about body confidence and I use like body positivity a lot and it was only from actually like delving into those topics more that I realized I mean obviously that I'd realized it before but like how much of a bigger scale all of this was Mm. body positive that's not my space that is 100% not for me you know And I am like, whether or not I hate my roles and, you know, let that stop me and have grown up feeling insecure. There are people out there who have a much bigger lived experience of this. And it's super Mm -hmm. important for me that I, especially on like social media, that I'm not saying the way that I'm talking about body confidence is right, because it's only right for me. And it's only right for people who can like associate themselves or see themselves in someone of my body size. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I like. I definitely went through the process of learning. And I think it's so difficult because, I mean, it's things like this that really annoy me. I'm a UK like 12 to 14. I go into shops yeah. and I can't find clothes that fit me. And I think I how unbelievably unacceptable as a society that I, a straight sized human, struggle mm-hmm. to find clothes that fit. And I just think it kills me to think because I've had, you know, family members who have lived in much bigger bodies than I have.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's taking moments like that where I'm learning how I'm feeling in myself, how I can change it for myself or not, or the things that upset me. I'm like, if that's how I feel, how unbelievably unfair like yes. societally is it for other people and the ones that I love and and people around the world who like we all have different body sizes. Like to try and think yeah. that this one size, like that I'm the like in inverted commas, the like the bigger size of clothing or in like seating or anything like that. I just think who's controlling this? Like who's controlling the narrative of saying, well, no, only actually this and small is okay. Because you just have to if I feel so invaluable in myself because of my lived experiences, we should be trying to make sure that no one else feels like that. But how can we? Yeah. Like that like in the society that we live. And it honestly I it's like two doors. Yeah. And I'm not great at articulating it, but it drives me mad. And it'll get oh, I think me you're really great at
0: articulating oh, it.
1: <laughs> but it just, I don't know, it just, it, I mean, even talking about it now, I can feel myself getting really upset about it because I just think it's wildly unfair. And it's mm-hmm. in my personal experience, understanding how I feel and really trying to change it and talk about it on the internet has been really tough for me. But then I look at that on a grand scale and I just think so much needs to be done. And there are other people mm. who need so much more than what, I can understand and I can give and it just mm-hmm. think
0: <laughs> It is. I I sort of have categorized it in my brain as these like two doors that we sort of uh, that that are in, you know, this space and the one door is those who have self-limiting beliefs, the beliefs that we, you know, aren't worthy enough. We we struggle with that and I'm in that door, right? And then there's the second door and it's like the of, of the su- subject of body image and that's the world is stopping them. It's the world's limits on their abilities to do things. So we have our self-limiting things. We do the things that we keep ourselves at home for because of the way that we feel about our bodies. And we need to get pushed out that door a little bit. We need to fight hard through those feelings to get out there and live this life that we have. And then we also have to like acknowledge that there is another experience out there where the door isn't being opened for them. They're not getting this experience that we have where we have the choice to do these things because a lot of their choice has been eliminated in as simple as the seat's not big enough for you to sit in it. Sorry, can't ride this ride, can't do this, can't be on this airplane, whatever those things are. So I just wanted to sort of like dive into that for a second because I think that it's You have such an you actually articulated it really well on like sort of like that that realization because I was like that like as well. I remember people calling me, you know, the face of body positivity. And I was like, what? (laughs) And then I had to learn. But that the world is still catching up on the conversation. And I think it's a great opportunity to sort of take a step into that for a second as you know, we move forward with the conversation. It's just like that acknowledgement of this is a much bigger thing. And while we sit today and we talk about our struggles with mortality and our bodies and showing up in the world, really acknowledging that like second, that other Mm -hmm. experience that so many do and the marginalization of so many people's bodies. But for you, you are now, you know, you're in remission and you are living your life and you're doing everything to show up in that. How has your perspective on, you know, that quote unquote word health that gets thrown at us all the time, as long as you're healthy, as long as you're this and really, you were somebody who didn't have the choice of health for a bit there. And so you couldn't just stand there and be like, yeah, I'm healthy. No, you weren't. You had cancer in your body. How has health and your perspective on that with your body really changed moving forward? And do you sort of have like that looking over your shoulder feeling or have you really just like, we're just looking forward and this is the direction we're going? I just... Yeah. I have so much fear inside of me. Like I genuinely have so much fear inside of me about so many things around mortality. And I haven't gone through your lived experiences. What does that look like moving forward?
1: Yeah. I mean, health to me, like pre-cancer, health meant thin. Like so Mm. I was healthy if I was. Probably on a diet, like I spent most mm-hmm. of my life on exercising, being the smallest version of myself. I was like, well, if I'm thin, I'm really healthy, without really having a second thought. And then it was only when I like I got diagnosed, I lost a lot of weight. I was very slim, and the worst thing was, is this is in like the first diagnosis. I was loving it. I was not mm. the cancer. the the actually being really slim. And it didn't matter that I had no hair. I couldn't drive my car. I spent half my life in hospital. I was thin and people were saying to me, I mean, I had someone say to me at an event, oh, you know, a silver lining of having cancer is look how much weight you've lost. And, Mm -hmm. And I agreed. I like smiled along and was like, oh my God, isn't it great? And it's only looking back that I've gone, oh my God, like that's not healthy. That isn't that isn't okay. And it, it was such a strong fixation on thin equals health, that it didn't matter how unwell I was. And I used to grow up wishing, and this is terrible, I used to wish to get some form of an illness that I could lose some weight. And then it happened. And it took a minute for me to realize, oh, wait, this is awful. And I'm so ashamed, like saying this
0: out loud, but it, I would wish to be sick and when that finally Oh happens, I still get that when I get the flu I'm like I, uh, my first thought often is like well at least I'm going to lose a few pounds like yeah. what <laughs> and it's every time like it's absolutely bonkers that,
1: that that's where your brain goes but for me it just did and it was only obviously like after the second diagnosis and getting stronger again and I came out so in my second diagnosis I had a stem cell transplant which is a mm-hmm. very aggressive treatment you're in hospital for like depending on what you have like over a month And when I left the hospital, I couldn't walk, like I couldn't walk to, you know, the end of my garden without help. And my whole view of health changed. I was like, I need to be strong. I need to be looking after myself. I need weight on me. I need to view myself as something other than just a body that is either losing weight or gaining weight. And when Mm. I was like strong enough, I was exercising a whole lot more and feeding my body the things that I should be feeding. And I say that obviously lightly. I was feeding myself whatever the heck I wanted because I realized I can do that and it doesn't have to be some like starvation yeah. game. And I think coming out, you know, I'm 30 now and weirdly, the more distance I get from it, not weirdly, I guess, I'm so much more grateful for everything my body can do rather yeah. than trying to shrink it into a different size. And And I think it's, you know, the trauma that comes with cancer treatment and the things that my body now won't be able to do that I could have done before. And I just think I have to just shift the focus on how I see my body and what I see as as healthy Mm -hmm. because there's just so much more importance in living than it is shrinking. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, no. And how has it, in terms of your relationship and your mindset towards your body, because I think a lot of times when I'm writing, I'm really focused on your body as like your partner. Like it's your life partner. Like you're in cahoots together. Like you're, you're in it together. Your body literally fights for you every day. But you went through a moment where it maybe felt like you weren't so connected or like your body was not failing, but you know what I mean? Like it's now against you, right? Yeah. How did you sort of work through and come to a place of like respect for your body again after having it sort of not disrespect you, but just like you you kind of lost that connection.
1: Uh, I it took I mean, it's taken a bit of a process and it still is a bit of a process for me because I don't think now that I'm a step away from it, like I don't blame my body for it. Whereas mm. when going through the treatment, I was like, come on, pal. Like I thought we were friends. Mm. What are we doing? And now I see it so much more as I need to look after it. Like my body has been through so much. Like I oh sorry I can feel myself getting emotional. No, I am um, like my, my body's been through so much and it's had some pretty horrific years. The last thing I want to do is treat it as like an external thing. I want to work with my body and look after my body mm. and make sure that it. It sounds like it makes sure that it knows it's being well looked after now and and it's not. Something I think when I was doing like the body confidence, I was just getting into it. I was like, right, we're going to work together. We're going to be best friends. I'm going to love you. And then since then, I've gone through the menopause. And it is, this was always a risk that I knew would come, but my body's like actively going through it now. And certain things like having kids or, you know, feeling young or your joints working or, you know, your hair's thinning yeah. and all different things that my body was doing, I started to dislike my body again. And not for the mm. look, but for what was happening. And it feels like for me, a bit of like a constant everyday practice of you have to just be kind to yourself, whether or not you think your body is doing what it should do. I mean, my body is doing exactly what it should do for what's happened, but I, I just have to treat it with kindness. And on the days that mm-hmm. I don't like either what's happened to me or how my body feels or what it can and can't do, I have to, it's fine. You know, it's like killing with kindness, just, mm-hmm. and on those days, I feel confident. Everything's great. I go about my day. It's absolutely fine on the days that I need to be a little bit more gentle with myself. I do, but that's more so in like my mind than anything else. Mm.
0: If you have ever struggled with iron deficiency or low iron, then you might be familiar with how difficult it is to actually get A supplement that works, one that isn't giving you a lot of these harsh side effects, ones that actually are great for absorption. So I want to share with you something that's really working for me, and that's Ferrisom Forte. Ferrisom Forte is a new iron supplement that does not cause side effects and has been shown to have absorption rates similar to certain doses of IV iron. This is all thanks to its unique formulation that combines liposomal form and a proprietary LCE coat. Big words, but let's break it down. Liposomal form is an advanced nutrient delivery system that is known for boosting the benefits of supplementation and absorption. The LCE coat is what protects the iron from being broken down by bacteria and stomach acid. And it's available in a couple different ways. You can either get it in sachet or capsule form. Both contain vitamin C to naturally support absorption, but those Farisome sachets also contain vitamins D, B6, B12, and folic acid. Farisome Forte is vegan, GMO free, gluten free, soy free, halal, and made in Canada. Right now, if you're Canadian, you're lucky because Fairsom Forte is currently only available to ship within Canada. And those sachets that I talked about, well, they're berry flavored and those capsules are tasteless, guaranteed no metallic taste with the sachets or capsules. You can find Ferrisom Forte in store at Rexall or visit ferrisomcanada.com and use code papaya at checkout for 25% off your first purchase. That's ferrisomcanada.com, F-E-R-O-S-O-M-C-A-N-A-D-A.com to use code papaya for 25% off your first order. If you are struggling with low iron, if you're struggling with getting that supplementation or that absorption, this is one that I would highly recommend looking into and trying because it is making a world of difference for me. Let's get back to the show. As a mama, four, one of the biggest battles is getting my kids a properly balanced diet while working with them having some little bit of picky eater syndrome and making sure that they have all the vitamins and nutrients that they need, but also wanting them to enjoy vitamins and feel good about giving them to them. So I want to talk about Haya because these are children's vitamins that aren't just candy in disguise. But here's the tricky part for us, because I usually give my kids their vitamins after dinner, which is before bed. That means the last thing that's on their teeth is a sticky, sugary coating. Not really great when it comes to teeth health and not something I really want them doing, especially the little ones, if they start getting bouncy off the walls. And typically children's vitamins, well, they're sweet, sugary gummies, and that's why Haya Health was created. For an alternative that's a pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, Haya is made with zero sugar, yet it tastes great and is perfect for those picky eaters. Haya fills in most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide that full body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they will love. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. And we need to get into all that good stuff. It is non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. Hiya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door, so parents have one less thing to worry about. And we've worked out a really special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Right now, you can receive fifty percent off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HiyaHealth.com/papaya. This deal is not available on their regular website, so you have to go to HiyaHealth.com/papaya. To get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Let's get back to the show. Where do you think you find, like, what has brought you the closest to confidence? Because for me, it's a, I have a very fascinating understanding now of how confidence works for me, but like, what has, Worked for you in terms of bringing you confidence in your body?
1: I think, like, in simple terms, it's saying yes. So, all the Mm. things that I would usually say no to, whether it's like wanting to wear a swimsuit or saying yes to going to a party with some friends or saying yes to spending Mm -hmm. time by myself or whatever it is, I've just had to sit there and go, I'm just going to say yes. And if I want to go to the beach and I I'm not enjoying how I feel in my body. I'm still going to go. Whether or not I sit there and run around in my swimmers, like everything's fine, it doesn't matter. I just say yes. And I always think of it as like fake it till you make it. So Mm -hmm. as long as I just, and it's not as easy as just, I'm just going to show up and fake confidence. But I am telling myself and talking to myself constantly. And if I hear that negative person go, Georgie, like, what are you doing putting that swimmers on? I go, no, no, quiet little voice we're going to talk louder. And I try and talk louder than the negative things in my head. And I think that's the thing that brings me closest to feeling confident is the saying yes, the quieting down like the little voices. And I used to, I mean, I still do it every now and again, but I've heard someone say, you know, when the negative voices come, talk louder than them. I, I will talk out loud to myself. <laughs> I must think my neighbors must be like, is she okay? but I do, I will look in the mirror or I will just be walking around my room and I will talk to myself, Georgie, we're going to do this and you're going to say yes and you do look great. Just enjoy it or, you know, today's Mm -hmm. a great day. And it wasn't until I started doing things like that that I really felt the impact.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm aligned with you on that because I think I really thought that confidence was like this feeling or like this something that happened after you, did something to get there. And then one day you're confident and you go out and live that world. And everyone will often comment to me like, I just wish I had your confidence. And I'm like, I don't even have it. I choose to do the things that I want to without it. And I think that that's like, and then all of a sudden you're like halfway through it and you're like, oh my God, this is what confidence is. It's like literally doing the thing when you're even terrified to do it or you don't feel up to doing it. And, and it's also like respecting the line that like saying yes to things, but also like confidently saying no to things and it not being because of how you feel about your body. Like it is such a like your, your friendships are not at risk by staying home from a party. Like that's confidence to do that, right? Like you, it's so... Active in our choices and less so in the feelings. Like, whenever I realize that I'm feeling confident, it's like after five choices that I've made. It's not like I feel confident that I made these five choices and that's how I live my life. Like, oh my God, it is a freaking choice. And it's such a fascinating thing to sort of wake up and realize one day. Like, I'm 38. That's messed up to sort of like all of a sudden be like, oh, this is what it is. What an incredible teaching and learning that this life has given us. But I have to ask you a little bit about going through menopause because I am not that I think I'm going through it anytime soon. Obviously yours was like a little bit earlier. My mom went through it at a young age. So I've witnessed it at a young, like her going through it as a young age. But I realized recently there's not a lot of conversation around menopause. How have you prepared yourself and found support through going through it? Because I recently was just, we start, I'm going through like tracking my periods and stuff again because of headaches and mood disorder stuff and just trying to like be responsible. And this doctor was sharing with us about like different things about like premenopause and menopause. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so fascinating because so much of our, health when it comes to like our menstrual health is around avoiding pregnancy or getting pregnant and then after you're done having children or not having children and you're into like this menopause category is like the big thing that's next there's like nothing i it's not an active conversation within any age like i wish there was more about it and being talked about how have you co- sort of like navigated it Being so young, honestly, I am not navigating it well. Like at all, and because thank you for that. Like
1: there is just, I mean, there's just nothing out there, and you can actively. So for me, going into the menopause because of cancer, different charities will run events or they'll do little posts on Instagram and things like that, and it's, and that's great. But it's very one level, like it's very surface level. Mm-hmm. And this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Whereas what I want is I would like, I don't want any of my friends going through this at the same time. But what I would like is to be with a group of humans being able to be like, oh my God, are you experiencing this? Or how are you getting through this? And because of my age, I'm a good, well, a good 10 years before other people. So I haven't yeah. got that like immediate connection. And so the I either tend to, ignore it which is like the most unhealthy thing for my brain but at times you can feel so lost with it or I have to you know I'm very lucky like I have therapy and I talk to her about it and she's really great at a lot of the things that I say I'm struggling with she's like Georgie that's menopausal and it's only Mm -hmm. those conversations I'm like oh okay so how can I do this or what can I do but in all honesty it's a minefield because I feel like, I mean, I say this, but it feels like the last taboo. It's like that last chunk of what a woman goes through at that age. That is like the final hurdle that I don't think we're quite getting to. And I wonder if that's because social media, the generation that talks about these topics on social media haven't hit that age. And I know yeah. I'm generalizing because all ages are on social media. No, that's I,
0: people are. I know, but, but the brunt of what we're consuming is not a generation that is talking. Yeah. And if they are, they came from a generation where you don't really talk about it. So yeah. there's this like massive hush-hush topic that we're all going to come into in the next, like I'm going to say for me in the next decade, and I have no freaking idea what to expect until last week, one person made one comment about periods. And I was like, I have no idea what menopause looks like, what it's going to be like. I have zero references whatsoever. And I'm going to be like, I use social media so much for awareness. And
1: that's it. And I think it's like what to know before you go into it. So I only thought, you know, menopause, hot flushes, great. But there is so much more to it than I ever even thought. You know, it's sore joints, anxiety, it's hair thinning. It's, you know, my weight distribution has changed. I mean, over the space of a year, where my body holds weight has completely changed. You know, wow. Yeah, you can get headaches. I mean, I think there's I'm I'm don't think I'm going to get this right. There's like 72 different symptoms that menopausal women can get. And you just oh and I gosh. I know hot flashes. I am like is that it? Yeah.
0: That's all I know. Yeah. Hot flashes and your periods stop eventually. Yeah, and but other than that, I don't really and I know you're like incredibly hormonal and moody and I only know these things from the experience of being a child watching my mother go through it. I don't actually know it from somebody no. teaching me or like or I just know it from the jokes online and stuff or like the whisper chats between
1: women, when I hear
0: them talking about it, like, oh, I'm going through menopause, like hot flashes all the time, or I'm hot all the time. I'm going through menopause, like things like that. But I actually have zero grip on it. I think I'm just selfishly saying to you, please talk about menopause. I was,
1: well, I was just yes. about to say, it's like <laughs> something on my little goal list of the year is I want to talk about it more because I mean, it's one thing to be going through it at this age, but I'm, it's not I mean, it's uncommon at, you know, 29, 30, I guess, but people start going through it at like 35 and 40 and I'm not far off that age. So if I can talk about it a little bit more and there's, I even feel like a bit of shame about some of the things that I'm going through because it feels like it's not something that you can always talk about. You know, I'm 30. I have an incredibly low sex drive now. I'm Mm -hmm. super uncomfortable in my body. There's a lot of things that are changing and you know and the biggest thing obviously for me is is the infertility and I've been with my other half like five years now and he's been incredible because he was literally there through all the cancer and you come out the other end and you think cool healthy strong let's enjoy our life and feel like young again but I'm honestly I'm like no thank you no sex there thank you
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's changed your life But I think that you being young is potentially to uh, the benefit of so many others too, because the, like we were talking about a lot of people who are maybe currently going through it don't have the, the social media comfortability to sort of talk about these things and maybe can still learn through somebody who's younger, who's willing to have the conversations. I think, I don't know, my eyes have been open to the fact that nobody is talking about this. I don't think I've ever seen menopause talked about in the realities of it. online it's just genuinely heaven
1: for me it's been in like the infographic or you know the little one thing and and I use social media a lot like my own personal diary so when Mm -hmm. I'm writing
0: yeah
1: it's coming from my brain or coming from how I feel and it's a way for me to process it and hopefully if it can help someone else feel a little bit less alone in what Mm -hmm. they, then great and so I think I mean I would like to talk about it more but it is it just feels like that little you just got to take that little step. And I think once you realize so many people are probably going through something similar, you can feel confident talking about it. You feel less isolated. Yeah. And it's just doing that, isn't it? So honestly, just watch this face. I'm going to be like menopausal Georgie. I'm just going yeah. to <laughs> wait for the like menopause. the... <laughs>
0: I just want, like, I just want, like, the picture of you with, like, the I have menopause. Like, this is the announcement. Like, honestly, everything else gets announced in our lives. Why not announce it? Like, it's it's a huge part of womanhood. And I feel so lost about it. And I feel like everyone treats you like you're so young and you're so this. And then all of a sudden you're like, but I this is gonna happen to me. And yeah. I don't want to feel thrust into it without any awareness of what's going on or feeling like I my body is somehow suddenly failing me and I'm, you know, wrong and broken for all these reasons. When this is actually a natural process that your body has to go through, we need to come into alignment with the education to know and 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 not feel so alone. Like it's really shameful when you go through something like a loss of of a sex drive yeah. you do feel really like broken when you suddenly have mood swings that you can't explain like that's Terrifying when you feel so lost within your own experiences. So I'm Team Menopause. I'm ready for I'm ready for the content. I'm gonna champion the heck out of it. But for everyone listening, um, who kind of wants to jump on the ride of Georgie and everything that you offer up on social media and online, where can everyone sort of like seek you out and find you? On Instagram. My handle's Georgie E swallow. There's an extra E just for fun. Um
1: and yeah, it's you know. Instagram has become such a safe place for me in the sense of Good. like my journey and my growth and my understanding of how I feel, and if I can help even literally just like one person wake up and have a slightly different mood change or feel ever mm-hmm. so slightly different in their body, then that's what I hope. Like we're a little team over there, so if you want to come along, come join.
0: We're going to be talking yeah, about all tests to that. You know, you are such a positive person. And I've always been like, how? Like, you must be so angry and so frustrated and uh, like so scared. And yet you just have really taken all of those things. Not that you haven't felt those, but you're just looking on the brighter side of things. And I think a lot of us are sometimes afraid to do that. Like, does does that mean I'm shoving down all the trauma far away or anything? But no, like you're facing it and you're also going like, but there's a choice to be made here and i have a life to live and i want to show up and live it and i just find i find it all so inspiring and it's been honestly such a joy to follow you and i'm so glad you came on today we got to talk everything from you know thinness to like being straight sized right, cancer right into menopause an episode with it all
1: really <laughs> <laughs> from like baby to oh i know go. yeah
0: yeah we went down the timeline of life. No, I it's it's been so nice. Thank you so, so much. And honestly, it's just really delightful to sit and listen to your accent for like an hour. So that was awesome for me. I love accents. I just think they're so cute. But thank you so much. No, thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. And for everyone listening, I'm going to have show notes for you as well. So you can find that tag with the double E in Georgie Swallow on IG and we will uh, see you next week thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the papaya community by downloading my free app. Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the papaya podcast and we'll see you then please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode